Hi, and welcome to episode two of Prof Podcast. This week we're going to talk to one of our contributors from last week, Stephanie, and a new contributor, Sharon, is going to introduce herself. Our topic this week focuses on mentorship, but not necessarily in the way that you might think of it with a professor. Often people have this idea that all we do is mentor in the classroom, and this week we're focusing on mentoring outside of the classroom. All right, let's get down to business. As I introduced myself last week, I am still John Westfall, and I am a professor that has decided to try to put together some interesting content for people who might wonder what we do. Uh, do we really just sort of hang out in our classrooms and have archaic discussions with each other and lead eccentric lives filled with uh, strange and bizarre practices? I mean, that, that's a part of it. But we're going to talk this week a little bit about something that I think is somewhat hidden from what uh, others think we do, and that's mentorship outside the classroom. When I asked my contributors what they thought about this, they were pretty vocal. So let's start off with Stephanie, who's going to talk about her work with students, and then we'll kind of jump in here and there with some thoughts and talk with Sharon, who teaches something completely different, but yet does many of the same things. So I want to speak for a minute um, to address John's question about mentoring. And I think this is a really great thing to talk about because many of us who contribute to this podcast teach students at different levels in higher education. And so I think it's interesting to hear about and explore some of what that what mentoring looks like at different levels. Um, and so I teach master's level counseling students. And so I think there are some mentoring topics that are unique to graduate students and also certainly students simply in the discipline of counseling because of the nature of our discipline. So the first kind of mentoring I think that I really do starts really early on in the program for some of our students. And I'm going to talk about this developmentally. So the earliest kind of mentoring we do is inevitably you have students, and I think this happens in any program, who get into it and start to question, is the discipline they've chosen, and in our case it's a professional program and a graduate degree, is this really what they're supposed to be doing? And many people who are counselors and counselor educators really view our field as a calling. Um, and I think education in general is the same way. We are, as, as academics and professors, in some way, we've been called to that also. And the same thing is true of counseling. So um, inevitably, in the first maybe two semesters in the program, we often have students uh, who come to us wondering, is this really where I'm supposed to be? So providing mentoring in that, in that aspect, not to steer them to necessarily stay in our program, because we want them to do and pursue whatever discipline or career path is right for that individual student. So I think often for us, or for me, as a counselor educator, that is where often mentoring starts. I think um, mentoring has another, and developmentally the next step for our students is when they get to the point in the program that they have to decide which track they want to pursue. So our counseling program in particular has two tracks. We have a clinical mental health track and a school counseling track. And at some point, uh, usually three or four semesters into the program, students have to declare their uh, intent to pursue one or the other because it affects the classes they take from then forward and field experience and other things. And we also have students who come in knowing they want to do counseling but are not sure which type of counseling is going to suit their career goals best and their lifestyle and really what's right for them. So 
I spend some time mentoring students just in regards to helping them weigh their options and trying to figure out which track is the best for them to pursue as they move forward in our program. So I think that's another level of mentoring that that I do as a counselor educator. I think another kind of mentoring, and I'm sure this is common across all of the other disciplines as well, is we have students who come to us who just need some guidance with life, especially when you're working uh, with non-traditional students or adult students coming back to school. They work full-time already, and they may be married and have families and other things going on, and sometimes life can really get in the way. So uh, I also have spent time and continue to spend time talking with students on balancing their options if if life really starts to get in the way of school and if they should sit out a semester or step away from the program completely for a time based on what kind of responsibilities they have going on outside of school. And this is fairly common and it happens and oftentimes, you know, we may have a student who ends up taking off a semester because they have a situation like they're taking care of, for example, a sick family member or a sick child and then they come and rejoin us later. Um, So I also have spent time mentoring and talking with students about life and, and really how to balance life and graduate school at the same time. And then I think uh, the fourth way that I've spent time mentoring students is in terms of their career path after school. As they are working towards the end of our program, the next big decision for some of our students is, do I want to immediately go out and start working in the field uh, towards licensure, or do they want to continue on and maybe get an EDD or a PhD? And this is something that a particular decision that I remember struggling with when I was finishing my master's. And so I know how important it is for them to be able to talk to someone who has been through that process and weigh the pros and cons and also share with them what I've learned about based on my decisions with how I chose to pursue my career. Um, Again, specifically that I went straight through after my master's rather than taking a couple of years off to work and get licensed before going back to school. In listening to the first half of Stephanie's commentary this week, I had a couple of thoughts that I wanted to put out there just to clarify for people who might not be familiar with higher education compared to secondary and also to comment on. The first is you'll notice that Stephanie's talking a lot about playing a life coach sort of a role, not just simply an academic role of giving information to students and helping them make decisions about what classes to take or career options, but really how to balance life, how to balance work, school, family, all of those sorts of things. And it can sometimes be very surprising to people that that is a professor's role. However, at smaller institutions, that typically is one of the reasons why people would choose a smaller institution, is to have someone who not only can provide that role, but is happy to do it and can speak to it in the context of personal experience. Another thing that Stephanie mentioned is this idea of going straight through graduate school, which is something that differs greatly depending on your discipline. In some disciplines, it's very common to get your bachelor's degree, then get your master's degree, then get your PhD, and then go out into the workforce. Whereas at other institutions, it's much more common to have work experience in those places. And one of the disciplines that that's more common in is education, where you typically want people who have been out in the classroom and have done some work in that regard. So I spent, I've spent a fair amount of time mentoring and talking to students about that decision and what the best, again, what the best options are for them and trying to help them figure that out. And then also providing opportunities if they, whether that has to do with writing letters of recommendation, working on helping them find a job, 
or also talking to them about different types of PhD and EDD programs in counseling and counselor education that they may want to pursue and what that career path could look for them. But also providing opportunities for things to put on their CV if they could choose to continue to go on in school, whether that's writing or research, um, having them jump on a conference presentation with me or whatever that looks like. So I think particularly in in the discipline of counselor education and teaching graduate students that developmentally those are sort of the four main ways that I have found uh, that I mentor students thus far. So again, that has to do with, you know, is the the counseling discipline really the right career path for them? Which track they want to pursue and what's going to be a best fit? How sometimes life can get in the way of school and how to navigate that process? And then also, you know, do they want to continue on in school and get a doctorate or are they going to start working out in the field? All right. Well, that was Stephanie's take on mentorship outside the classroom and number of cool points brought up there and a lot of things that might be different from what people think professors do. Switching gears to someone who does something a little bit different. She's a professor, but not of a social science or an educational background. This is our first non Uh, psychology or counseling related contributor. Uh, I'm going to let her introduce herself, but you'll see that uh, even though she may have a different subject matter, her passion for working with students outside of the classroom and mentoring them in a variety of ways comes through just as strongly. Hi, my name is Sharon and I'm an assistant professor at a small undergraduate institution, which is primarily liberal arts focused. I have a PhD in chemistry, and right now my teaching responsibilities include teaching sophomore level organic chemistry, as well as upper level classes, um, focusing on advanced organic reactions and polymer chemistry, kind of an introductory course. I'm also responsible for quite a few undergraduate research students. Uh, I have a pretty active research lab that is investigating the development of new materials for wound healing applications. I find that this is pretty attractive to undergraduates as they like to be able to see the concepts that they're learning applied in the lab and, and have eventual use potentially in their everyday lives. Um, I kind of have a slightly less traditional trajectory um, than a lot of people in academia. Uh, After I got my PhD and did my postdoctoral fellowship, I was able to act as a lecturer at a larger research institution for three years before um, I found a tenure track job and came to my current university. While I was an instructor, I was able to pair up with a very experienced faculty member and kind of act as a co-mentor and start developing independent research ideas um, using some of her resources since research wasn't at all part of my duties at that first school. Um, And that was a really valuable experience for me since that provided a launching point for my own independent uh, research lab. And she and I have been collaborators on several grants that um, we have had funded um, through smaller grant requests. Part of my responsibilities as a professor include Uh, being a faculty mentor for our student groups in our department. Um, We have two major groups. One of them is a professional society 
for chemist. And so we are a very active student American Chemical Society chapter. And we also recently established an honor society. And I act as the faculty mentor for our chapter of the National Chemistry Honor Society, Phi Lambda Upsilon. A little bit more about me. I have two cats. I like to joke that an alternative career path for myself would be to make them internet famous cats and have them support me. Uh, I also really enjoy cooking and a lot of times I'll host our student chapters over at the house and cook a great meal, filling. The kids love it because they never, you know, have good home cooked meals usually and we just throw on some tunes and play board games, hang out, um, have a good time. Uh, I live in a very small town currently, and as a result, there's not a lot of options as far as nightlife goes. Uh, but when we, I used to live in larger cities, I enjoyed going out and listening to live music. Um, as time has passed, I don't get to do that as much as I used to. Uh, but instead, I have a lot more time for reading and I have plenty of books to keep me occupied um, if I want to do something for fun as opposed to grading papers. I'm really excited about this podcast. This is my first time acting as a podcaster and I look forward to where this could go and cluing our listeners in on the secret life of professors. Before Sharon gets to the question that I posed to both contributors this week. Uh, I wanted to point out something I thought was very interesting about what she said in her introduction, and that was really the level of engagement that professors can have with students outside of the classroom. One of the things that I think really we don't talk about much because we take it for granted, but has a long tradition in academia, is the fact that our students are adults. They're over the age of 18, and they can interact with us uh, on a level that is a little bit more familiar than a secondary education level. The lines are not as firmly drawn, although they are definitely there. There is plenty of uh, different ethical codes that we follow and enforce. But that does mean that because they are 18, we can engage with them outside of school, we can talk with them, we can have them over to our houses. In fact, in graduate school, it was fairly common for graduate students to meet at a professor's house. Uh, to have a class meeting, especially if it was going to be a longer meeting and one that was more discussion-based or less formal in terms of needing to be in a classroom space. And I think that really is one of the benefits of a college professor uh, instructing someone is that they can have that little bit of flexibility, whereas in other situations you don't ever socialize with your professors. When I walk around campus, there's not a place I can go without someone saying hello to me. When I walk around the town that we live in, it's a fairly small town, I will see people I know everywhere, and students will say hi to me at local restaurants. And it's a really nice sort of reaction instead of the deer in the headlights, oh my god, they let you out of your office, I never thought I'd see you in the grocery store or in the you know, restaurant or any of those places. I'll let Sharon now talk a little bit about her thoughts on mentoring outside of the classroom. This week's topic is on what do we do outside of the classroom to officially or unofficially mentor students. 
I kind of reference some of what I do in my introduction. I interact with a lot of our students more than some of the other faculty because I am the faculty mentor for professional societies um, and honor societies within our department. Some of those more official mentoring duties include um, ensuring that these groups are meeting. Uh, the professional society has webinars that we participate in and um, host guest speakers, um, attend conferences, things like that. Um, so acting as a chaperone on trips or um, having officer meetings to ensure that the officers are um, conducting meetings and things are moving along smoothly are a large part of those official mentoring duties. Unofficial mentoring duties, um, I, I find they happen as they do for most people in a kind of more casual atmosphere. While it may be technically in the office, a lot of times it's not through a set appointment by any means. Um, a lot of times students just like to kind of drop in and talk about their day. Um, I've had students come by to vent uh, about test and to wonder whether they're going to you know, be able to make it after they just, you know, theoretically bombed a test. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like as a professor, part of what I'm there to do is to remind students that if I could do this once upon a time, you can too. You know, if you just keep persevering, you can achieve whatever it is. You know, a lot of people believe that PhDs are degrees for smart people. And um, I constantly tell my students that really it's just... Um, a degree that you have to want, you have to go after. When I was getting my PhD, um, an older gentleman used to say, you know, it's just a degree of persistence. And I have passed that um, wise knowledge on to my students as well. Uh, if, if you want your bachelor's degree in chemistry, if you want your master's or your PhD, um, you, it's just a degree of persistence. You just have to keep working at it. Um, so that's, that's some of what I do to unofficially mentor students. And um, other things that I do, I, I try to ensure that our students think that we're human. Um, you know, uh, me and our chair of our department um, try to go around at least at the beginning of the year and introduce ourselves uh, to all of our freshman classes because as chair, they should know who he is. And as the faculty mentor for the student groups, I want students to know who I am. I want our students to be actively engaged and feel like our department um, is their second family. They seem to like that. And I think their parents like knowing that there's a group of people um, that they can fit in with and that will look out for them while they're away at college. Um, since I do a lot of activities with our students, some of those include tailgating and, um, having, you know, holiday parties, things like that. Uh, we usually do some kind of Halloween party with the professional society. And, and so doing things like that, um, does what I call humanizing the faculty, um, uh, making us kind of more approachable and also letting the students see that just because you have a degree in chemistry doesn't mean you're some big nerd or anything like that. You can, you know, hang out and listen to um, good music and um, enjoy the football game uh, just as much as the next guy. So that's a little bit on what I do as far as um, unofficial mentoring outside of, you know, if, if a student's had a really bad day and they just need a time to talk, 
you know, step off campus, go grab a coffee, something like that. Um, different students have different ways of communicating with faculty. And sometimes, you know, you wind up with a kid stopping by and you just talk for like an hour in your office. Um, and I think taking time out of your busy day to do something like that when they just drop in or to talk to them about their families, to meet their families when they um, come on campus and kind of want to show off what they're doing in the lab or um, have them meet their family um, and faculty members. That that really means a lot to our students. And, and to me, that equals mentoring them, showing them that um, there are people that care about them in this large institution of learning, in this higher educational situation, uh, and giving them that bit of confidence boost, that bit of comfort, I think really uh, dovetails in with their ability to finish and their, uh, you know, our ability as faculty to keep them on the right upward momentum path towards graduation. Um, you know, another thing that I'm starting to see now that I've been at my job long enough to have graduated students, um, you know, I, I try to keep in touch with them. Sometimes students take a couple years off and it's good to keep in touch with your graduates and check in, see how things are going. Um, you know, if, if you do that and if you've kind of developed these relationships with your students, then, then they want to update you with what's going on. They want to tell you about getting into that graduate program or which lab that they've joined now that they're in grad school or the fact that they got engaged or, um, you know, had a kid or bought a new animal or something like that. Um, keeping in touch with students, I think, is um, a valuable thing. And I'm sure as I have more and more students graduate, this will probably become a more complex issue. But for now, I'm able to, uh, you know, keep up with quite a few of the students that um, I was invested in when they were here for their undergraduate studies. And it's nice being able to see the product um, of their education and seeing how my mentorship, or at least some of my mentorship, has kind of guided them in the direction that they're taking with their lives. So that's, to me, a really rewarding experience and a nice payoff for a lot of the work that we as professors do on a somewhat official but largely unofficial basis. Well, as you can see and hear this week, my contributors are very passionate about the mentoring that they do outside of the classroom. And one of the things that Sharon spoke to that really resonated with me and one of the things that I try to impress upon students is that the level of education that we have, our degrees and our uh, projects that we've done, those are perseverance more so than ability. Uh, my students are able to attain those same things and I try to encourage them to focus on how they can attain those sorts of things. And at the end of the day that really is what mentorship is, but unfortunately it can't just live inside the four walls of a classroom with the instructor up front lecturing and the students sitting at the desk. And hopefully at both the undergraduate level with Sharon and the graduate level with Stephanie, uh, you've gotten an idea of that during this week's episode. Well, this brings episode two of Prof Podcast to an end. I'd like to thank my contributors, Sharon and Stephanie. Next week, we'll have another episode ready for you. You can find us at profpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and a number of other platforms. 
Thanks for listening, and we look forward to hearing your feedback.